Hey everybody, welcome to the Pilot On Podcast. My name is Elliot Morgan and I'm here with Grace, the lovely Grace Helvig. Grace Helvig. How are you doing, Grace? I feel like we're starting an NPR episode. I haven't talked to you all day. I know. It's ten it's not even it's nine fifty seven AM. Yeah. Look at us. Go getters. The only reason that we're up this early getting stuff done is because Elliot had uh, originally arranged for us to wake up even earlier to go for a hike, and I was too sleepy. Yeah. So the consolation prize is that we do an early podcast. Perfect. It's the same type of cardio, uh, same level of health. We're just running our mouths instead of our legs. It's perfect. <laughs> One of those needs to actually happen. I think we're gonna do it. We're gonna do it tomorrow, mm-hmm. and that'll be our big, yeah. our healthy thing. And then we'll finally get our membership cards to Los Angeles. Yeah, we'll, we'll take have a photo. Hiked. You'll see it on Instagram, and you'll know that what we're doing is making sure that we check all the LA boxes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How you doing? I'm good. You seem tired. I'm a little tired, but I've been up since a little earlier. Than oh, it. yeah. So your adrenaline rush has subsided, and so yes. now... All you got to do is exercise your brain. Hey, that's okay. Yeah. I can do it. I'm up <laughs> to the challenge. Uh, this is a podcast where we talk about mostly nothing, but uh, oftentimes it's a show called Married at First Sight or now Married at First Sight Australia, a reality show where people marry strangers. Um, we also talk about other things that we've been watching and yeah. using, doing to kill time uh, during this <laughs> wonderful year that we're having of excitement and mirth. Um, yeah, because there's not, there's not so many just... Um, purely safe hobbies nowadays other than mm. watching things yeah in the comfort of your own home yeah, it's like that and hiking so we're, and hiking. we've gotten one of them but yeah. uh we uh we did watch a couple movies yesterday babe do you know that we watched mm-hmm. two movies i watched two movies i couldn't believe it um yeah and they were both great and both were they dramatic in their own rights yeah they were both great yeah, they were. Uh, we watched Spotlight was the first one. Great movie. Which um, is about, my brain just completely forgot what it's about. Uh, the Hulk is in it. Catholic. Oh, the Catholic Church and the indiscretions that the priests. Indiscretions. Uh, yeah, had with the children in the church. The children in the church. And it's all about the Boston Globe uh, breaking the story yes. of it in like 2000. Four yeah. or something. It's it, it's it's Avengers for 2002? 2001. 2001 because it right happened after right after. Yeah, the story they were working on forever and uh, got buried because 9/11 happened. Yeah, it was wild. Avengers for journalism. It it's, really was. Everyone's in it. Everyone. It's, it's the who's who of who didn't make it into the actual oh, Avengers. If you're not in spotlight, you're not a superhero. <laughs> period. You got Batman. You got Hulk. That's about it. Leave Schreiber. Leave Schreiber. Oh, How yeah. do you say his name? Leave. Leave. He's Beast in X Men too. Oh, really? So he also. I just know him as the Irish Catholic uh, hitman. Yes, of in that the other show, show. that we couldn't remember last night. The show that's named after the character. Yeah, it's always like some. What is it? Like, I'm looking it up now. Uh, oh gosh, why is this so hard you're to going find? To the Ray Iron. Donovan. Ray Donovan. Yeah. Um, we watched that, which is a wonderful film. I've seen it before. Grace hadn't seen it. I was like, it was I'll great. turn it on. I think that's my new MO with you is just sort of I'll put on a movie with no obligation for you to pay attention. And then I'll sort of see the ratio of you on the phone to TV mm-hmm. slowly kind of 
Yeah, you put it on with such quiet confidence that uh, Mm -hmm. I felt a very strong need to pay attention. I liked it a lot because it was very straightforward and they didn't like Hollywood it up by trying to add in all of these reporters like personal lives so much. You thought for a second they were then because you were like, mm -hmm. well, where's his wife? I was like, oh, this isn't one of those. Yeah, that usually it has to be about their personal relationships on the side and how that affects what they do uh, in their professional world. And it really was about these journalists trying to get the information of this incredibly massive cover-up story that was so impossible to believe that had been going on for so long and had been so intensely like pushed aside yeah and ruined so many lives and so many lives and like the way they describe like the survivors and they kind of give the statistics and you kind of hear that word a lot and it gets desensitized and you're like oh yeah no you actually do survive because it the rate of suicide and all the stuff and you're like oh i don't even i didn't even think about any of that part of it and then you go into like how pervasive and widespread this this basically conspiracy was to to cover up Mm -hmm. so much abuse and it also just sheds a light on how cool journalists can be and how they are like little super uh, superheroes and yeah and and they didn't hold it uh hold back any punch throwing uh what is it they didn't uh what's the phrase punch each other they didn't punch each other which is they didn't hit below the belt um Pull punches. That's what it was. Oh, what does that mean? I don't even know. How do you pull punches? Where you kind of say a phrase like, I think it maybe works, but I don't know what the actual. They get on like a house on fire. Yeah. They didn't make the the journalists out to be perfect people either, which was really cool. And then you, to contrast it with this current era, it's crazy to see that like we're currently living in a situation where journalists themselves and the media as a whole is being sort of like turned into this big other that's so terrible and then you see stories like this we're like well this is what you this is what you're you are including in the you know your hate for these people these other types of people who are doing a lot of good work yeah there's a line in the movie i think it's leaves character that says this kind of story is why we do this yeah and you're like yeah i want them to get them by putting pen to paper and just outing all of the horrible that's been covered up it's also wild i grew up catholic and that learning about that, I mean, I heard about it years and years ago, but I didn't really pay much attention because my brain was already, I never fully loved church, never found any benefit for myself in it, but understood how it affected and helped other people. But to see that, you go, wow, I have to dismantle this whole system of beliefs of this being a good institution of that brings mm-hmm. like uh you know uh, love light and like protection to people yeah. and you're like no it doesn't it's evil and bad and it like grooms and ruins people but it does do a lot of good to not to whatever but you know they take our money they ruin the children they they do more than that but that is included i would say but i also don't know how any kid could go into the catholic church i don't know i feel like it's a hard sell yeah. for a kid cuz it's so foreboding and so big and and like and ritualized yeah. and so historical like and strict and very just there's a certain creepiness to it i think as like a child uh stained but, glass windows in and of themselves are creepy i've never so seen cool. a stained glass window that i thought was you think it's beautiful, beautiful. a little bit uh, i think they're they're cover they're hiding something 
why don't you give me that clear glass and let me see right through it? No, you're not letting me see through it. I got to look at this image to get through it. They're hiding. Do you think they're hiding the sun? They're hiding everything. With pictures of they're hi- I Jesus? can't look into that institution <laughs> because they got all these scripture stories all over their walls that they're keeping everyone out with. Yeah. I want to see what's behind all of these uh, fables. It's just outside. Oh, I'm saying looking into the church from the outside. Oh, I see. That okay. the, looking through a stained glass there window, they're some, not letting you look in and really see what's going on in there. There's definitely a the fortressy. Metaphor, the symbolism. I know, I know. We were t- but I grew up in the Protestant. Well, not Protestant. I grew, well, it is Protestant, but I grew up in not Catholic. And they made it a little bit more fun and a little bit more enjoyable. And I don't know how you make the that Catholic the Catholic thing super fun no. for kids. But at least there's history to it which is pretty cool but now it's like bad history we were Everything's talking about this last bad. night basically it's because i read i was reading this book about how the catholic church sort of rose to prominence and then it's not about the catholic church it's called passion of the western mind but then seeing now like the movie like this and contrasting it with everything i was reading about how big they were and they used to like fund science and fund art and like the renaissance artists were all funded by the catholic church so they did all this cool stuff and then they lost all their like power and recognition now in this modern era to science yeah yeah and to just being bad and to being bad like you had one job to be good that's all you had to do (laughs) yeah but you you went and you went up so horribly for so long so widespread yeah and you know what's weird too but they don't also the the i think the i think the thing i liked about this movie is that they don't they also don't like super hollywood how awful this story is like they treat it very real they yeah. don't they don't really you know use images and and uh they don't script. try to shock you or... no no it's very straightforward it's very subtle everything's very subtle in this yeah, movie that's and a I, great way to put it i liked it very much for that because it just felt very real that you almost feel like you're watching a documentary at times because everyone's amazing at their acting job. They are so good. And it also, I think, lets you as the viewer do the work in like putting together the horrific nature of what they're talking about. Rather, It's mm-hmm. like a, it's like the opposite of the show don't tell thing. It's like, no, they're telling you the yeah. thing that happens from the perspective of the survivors. And then it leaves your brain to be like, oh, yeah, no, all the this whole they need to be t- the whole thing, which needs is to be, and you get real angry. Yeah, which is why at the end it ends, you know, um, very realistically and. There was part of me that wanted that uh, Hollywood ending of getting their justice against these priests and like seeing them locked up or anything, but they don't show like it's not over dramatized in that sense. And did they did any like did any what happened? Like, I don't know what the paper got released. And at the end of the movie, I don't want to spoil it. Well, I mean, like after the movie, though. Oh, I, that's up to us. They leave it in our hands to go look it up. They don't force feed us any more information. Um it's wild though, but then we also we went from watching Spotlight to watching a movie that another movie that dismantles an age old <laughs> uh, institution, uh, books, never ending story, never ending story. Everybody. Yeah, this thing really turned uh, books on their head for me. What are you doing? Books can be who really sad and bad. <laughs> that movie. Wow. So both of us, you put it on again with this quiet confidence of like, and this is I'm choosing this and she'll just have to figure out if she likes this or not. Very true. Yeah. And both of us, I, in the never ending story, clearly you have that uh, idea that you've seen this before as a, a youth. Yeah. And I know that I know th- the, you know, things from the movie, but I couldn't tell you the plot 
or mm. the characters mm. or anything other than the big dog in the sky. Yeah. Yeah. And the plot is not, I would say, airtight uh, in any sense of the word, <laughs> but it does kind of follow like the tradition. It's like a, you said it was like, it's like Lord of the Rings meets... What was the other one that you used? Oh, shoot. I forget. Wizard of Oz. Wizard of Oz and Lord of the Rings. They're going on a mission to get to this castle to meet the princess, a.k.a. like the who's the guy in Oz, the wizard. Yeah. And the like a bunch of characters are helping this hero journey of this uh, Dorothy or uh, what's his right. name? Atreyu. Atreyu. Yeah. Which I always thought the dog was named Atreyu, but it's not. It's Falcor. I know. I always forget the name of Falcor. I won't anymore because I've yeah. seen the movie. Yeah. Again. Now I've seen the movie as an adult, I can re- register and remember all these things. You, you kept calling him Worm Dog. Worm Dog, yeah. He's not a good looking dog. Well, but okay. Dragon. We have He's to, not as good as I remembered, at least. Exactly. Well, one, you remembered it as a child. And two, it came out in 1984. Which is crazy. That's before both of us were born. I can't believe they even had the ability to make puppets that move all little parts of their faces the way they do in this movie in 1984. And it was scary. There were scary yeah. parts, like creepy well, looking. I did not. I, I remember <laughs> as a kid not liking that uh, that little wood nymph dude from the beginning. The little troll guy. Yeah. The rock guy is real cool. And I like the circus guy who's got like the his snail, snail, his racing snail. Uh-huh. And then out of nowhere, the, the wood nymph is like, There's no like one a, cares about me and my stupid bat. Yeah. And there's like a feral hobbit that's uh, running feral around. Feral hobbit. Yeah. Yeah. A rabid <laughs> hobbit. Yeah. Uh, and I don't like like him and then he like is there for a second and then kind of disappears we for the whole movie we don't learn anything about any of them as characters or their relationship to each other and boobs oh yeah so so basically the first the movie's only an hour and a half which I thought it was like a three hour. I thought it was like a godfather for children. It felt a little, it felt longer than an hour. They don't give a shit about trying to pace it faster for you. They let the Rockman, the turtle lady, mm-hmm. and uh, the dog talk as slowly as they fucking want the yeah, whole yeah. movie. <laughs> you know what else somebody said too? They said, because uh, I posted on my Instagram about it, and somebody replied and said that it was, there's also a German version. Yeah, because the director's German. But there's, apparently it's longer, darker, and there's no uplifting music, yeah. and it gets sadder, and they're like, Okay, because this is what, so I started looking up, like, where are the child actors now? And the one that plays the kid that's reading the book <laughs> is, uh, he, Bastion, Bastion. he didn't do much acting after this and now is into, like, this uh, photography printing thing, his Wikipedia says. Uh, and then the guy that played Atreyu uh, was, like, a child actor for a while. And there's something in his Wikipedia that says, like, he was giving uh he was working as a tattoo artist and then uh-huh. like one week what's the am- amulet that he wears that necklace oh no the oracle thing yeah like, he was giving people those tattoos and that's how he realized like how much of a cult film this movie had become uh it's a very strange let me see if i can find it so weird yeah but um what was the point of that whole thing anyway what did well, he do? It just, the like, point was that to go? the What's that? It was like his compass. I guess so. I don't know. I mean, it's who. There's a lot of question marks. Imagery, but not a lot of plot. But (laughs) it makes sense because you know how the the German version of Santa Claus is Krampus. Yeah, the evil. Yeah, which feels like they took a very lovely like yeah story and they made it German and scary, and we got the American version, which is still 
scary and unpleasant in yeah. a lot of moments, but curious at the same time. And yeah. I, I realized like, oh, there were so many moments of this film that I looked away from as an adult that, of course, child grace hid her face the whole movie uh-huh. and only remembers this kind of sweet dog because it was the closest thing to like cute, cuddly and friendly and hopeful in the whole uh-huh. film. Only ray of light. Like yeah. nothing good happens for basically the whole movie. If anything, traumatic like horribly permanently traumatic events happen where for example and the people most people remember this scene a horse a horse sinks into this the like quicksand a half hour into the film the kid bastion has just started reading this story mm-hmm. we find our hero the hero where. has his journey laid out for him and his horse is his guiding like help and yeah. then the horse just sinks gets swallowed into a swamp like slowly and it looks at him like it's crying and looking for help with its eyes and it's too much oh and the worst part is before because you know where it's going the worst part is there's a little moment where atreyu is like haha you're just being funny aren't you horse and you're like oh here, here we go they don't it's give a fuck make, about cutting away high. they make you watch it till it's done till the horse is oh, swallowed up and the boy you is sink, you sink with the horse the boy is drowned in his own grief and it's just it is his own because it's the swamp of sadness and the reason that the horse is going down is because the horse couldn't withstand the sadness the whole movie is so emotionally intense when you actually pay attention to what the journey is that he's supposed to find his true self and there's a line in it that's like most men when confronted with their true self run away screaming oh yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) it's so insane there's so much weird psychology that's like doesn't ever get any kind of I can't imagine end. being a young boy being like so this is what I will eventually have to do I guess this is what we call puberty you, you have to go through you have to go between the big boobed sphinxes <laughs> because if, and if you don't have full confidence in yourself as a person if you ever if you doubt yourself even for a second their eyes are going to open shoot lasers at you and you're going to die and burn to death which is when you put it that way sounds like the most German way to build confidence in a child. If you doubt yourself, you will die. If you doubt yourself, lasers will shoot from these sexy sphinxes into your body and you will die in front of everyone you loved. Yeah, there's a... We... Okay. Also, the... the, if you if you've seen this movie and remember it, then this makes sense. Apologies to anyone that also like us before watching this have no real true recollection of what happened in this film. Uh-huh. The couple that he meets, he meets this like elderly kind of also hobbity type couple, old wizard that are witches. supposed to like bring them back to health, and it's just the old man. verbally abusing his wife the entire time who's doing most of the work to create potions that heal them uh, physically. And it's so there's lots of um, women in this film aren't, championed well there's very few women (laughs) well his mother has died that's the other thing the story opens on bastion in the real world and his dad is a very by the book buttoned up businessman and he's like you gotta fend for yourself now we're not gonna let mother's death uh keep us from doing our jobs work is more important than our emotional uh grief and uh ability to handle it post death overpowering father figure who only wants order is contrasted with the absence of a mother who yeah. represents like love and life and comfort mm-hmm. and uh, 
Yeah. And he gets bullied all the time. And then he goes up into this scary attic in his school. Horrifying which, school attic. Yeah. Well, I don't understand why schools would have that attic. Uh, that school should be checked out. That's a pretty cool attic, though. I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, it's very spooky. You know, the the school that I went to school at for most of my childhood life had an underground tunnel that like connected to the mega church across the street. But you could find little holes in because it used to be a, a nursing home in the 30s, and it got converted into a school. Yeah, it used to be, it was called like Evangel Nursing or Home for the Elderly, and they turned all of the apartments into actual classrooms where all the old people used to be. Uh, and so it was actually was in the haunted. shape. That... It, was, mm-hmm. it was like an old art deck. It's still there. It got preserved because it was so old that they didn't, they couldn't tear it down. And it's in the shape of a E if you look at it from an aerial uh, perspective. And then there's little grates in there where there's like you go into the giant cafeteria. It's like all this old old tile. And if you look down, you could see into the tunnel and you can lift it up and go down in there. And I got to go down there one time and it was super creepy. So having the seen, attic thing is not well, was not the most abnormal part of that. Having seen a movie in which the church is questioned in their relationship with children, and then a movie about children having questionable heroic journeys, I don't trust at all the tunnels from your school to mm-hmm. that church. No, absolutely not. I think they had to they they blew them up when they uh they it's probably for the yeah. best. It was supposed to I think be it was supposed to be like a passageway, like a like a. Uh-oh, Literal things. and figurative. I don't know what the deal is. Maybe it was something less Can more benign than that. Can we get a Globe but... reporter on this story? I, I'm gonna look up, baby. There's some <laughs> dude who went through this place. It is the most insane. The church I grew up in is an insanely, like, architecturally insane place. I'm gonna show you what it looks like. It's yeah. so weird. It sounds. And they uh... went. Somebody went through went right before it got condemned, and it's like, or maybe it was after, and they like broke into it, and the stuff that they find in there is just so creepy. Cool. So weird. So that's a little something we're going to do for a little Saturday activity. Great. Anyway, it's pretty crazy. So, well, so never ending story. Never ending story is, uh, I still don't fully understand it. I get it a bit where it's this, it's this kid who gets this book that brings him into the narrative and this fantasy world Fantasia is being destroyed by the nothing this the nothingness or the nothing or something nothing. this like smoky cloud that like just destroys everything and then there's this wolf that is a like minion of the nothing to kill atreyu who is he has heard is sent to be the only warrior that can uh defeat the nothing and save fantasia but then at the end it brings bastion into the story and the the princess uh, God bless her. She's an amazing child actor, but she's too good because she creeped me out so hard. Yeah, Grace has Grace has <laughs> always had this thing that I've noticed since we've been together of like children who act too much like adults. And it kind of, when you open my eyes to it, it is truly creepy. It's unnatural. It's unnatural. And it's it makes me want to um, go away. It makes there's me part of me the, that the hopes, house when yeah, I see him. I know. There's part <laughs> of me, like that might have been the scariest thing in the whole film. Not the wolf, not the horse drowning, just the, the little girl at the end that acts like this there's vacant this pixie. Vacant hopeless. pixie. Yeah, <laughs> vacant old pixie. It's like hopeless. It, she reminds me of, you know, a Muppet um, Christmas story? The ghosts of, yeah, the, uh, the ghosts of Christmas 
the one that's the creepy little girl doll yeah. that floats around that's just like very you much like that. are gonna blow she's very similar to that um, way better movie Muppet Christmas Carol in my <laughs> humble opinion a little bit more uplifting had a very defined uh, yep. <laughs> sense of joy at the end god I do love that movie is a good palate <laughs> that cleanser. movie deals with grief in a very very still so, puppets but they deal with their grief a little bit better yeah so here's my my theory on this since we, you know I've been on this real reading kick lately yeah here's what i think okay atreyu okay represents atreyu and bastion mm-hmm. are essentially the same person. the same person atreyu represents his hero side right. that bastion has not been able to connect to with. connect with and in reading the book he's able to connect with it and actually find that he himself is the hero he's a warrior he's a warrior and he can go through life uh, not being afraid of the bullies that put him in the dumpster anymore, et cetera. Yeah. The nothing, I think, could, uh, I mean, obviously. I feel like that's depression. It's depression. And it's also, I think, representative of, as the, uh, the wolf thing says, mm-hmm. the evil bad guy says, the reason that it's happening, the reason that I'm helping is because people have lost their ability to hope and their ability yes. to dream. Mm-hmm. And as a result, the nothingness is creeping in. I think that it actually is a pretty cool yeah. message. Yeah, I mean, it's a full metaphor for him going through stages of grief that like the after his mom died, he's totally depressed and that could wash over him completely and destroy like any hope that yeah. he has for creating a life for himself. How did it end? How so did it the ended nothing- with... Uh, that the little girl said, you have to give me a new name. When this part is crazy because she just keeps saying that someone's got to give me a new name and he go and they need to find a human child. Atreyu has to find a human child to bring in to give the princess a new name. And Bastion's like, man, I wish they got me because my mother had a beautiful name. So now we're set up that this is going to happen. He's got to say his mom's name. She Princess comes in at the end and is like, the uh, manic pixie weird girl and starts mm-hmm. saying like it's okay you can just say you have to say the name bastion she has this one moment where she does this little look where she goes like this mm-hmm. she kind of does yeah. like the uh that and then she starts of- they have a cut back and forth of her crying looking directly into the lens of the camera and bastion looking into the lens and she's like say the name and it's so intense and so crazy much. and creepy and feels very German, even though I don't understand what that means, but it just seems appropriate. And then he finally like goes to the creepy window and like screams out his mom's name, who I couldn't tell what her I name was. I don't remember the name of it. But, <laughs> I didn't hear what he said. But then I guess everything went back to okay. And then the next thing you know, he gets wishes. Oh, and then he gets as many wishes as he wants. Oh, just forever. He just gets all the wishes. He gets all the wishes that he wants. And then he, they're like, do you know what you want to wish for? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, it's going to be for his mom to come back. He's going to want to see his mom one last time. And it just cuts to him on the back of Falcor going, yeah. And then he's flying through the streets, uh, getting revenge on the bullies that put him in a trash can earlier. And I was like, so (laughs) our whole thing about him wanting to grieve his mom, just he says her name and now fuck it. I'm going to ride this dragon worm dog in the sky. (laughs) I like that. It doesn't make sense for him to bring his mother back because he just went through the whole process of grieving. I guess him saying her name is him putting her to bed. It's him facing the nothing that he's been denying and thereby extinguishing it and making it as though it was like it never happened. I understand that this is a very beautiful 
metaphor for Kinda the maybe. journey of like post death grievances, but it's also fucking weird. It also doesn't make sense. But they also cater clearly to young boys that are watching this, yeah. that the kid gets to ride on the back of Falcor oh, yeah. and get his revenge on the bullies. That it's like, it's, all right, I, I see what you're doing. Yeah. You're giving the kids something after having to sit through this nightmare of a journey for an hour and a half. The way they just <laughs> shot the wolf thing coming after Atreyu, I was like, him. this is And like- then he stabs him. Like the child... This oh, child. the fight ends immediately. The wolf just jumps on him, and then he pushes him off. He goes through death, and then he murders something. This kid is forced to grow up as a warrior way too quickly, I think. The scene where Atreyu, is, he enters this old temple, and he starts seeing this story he's been on yeah. uh, happening in panels that are painted. Much like a church. Super cool, much like a church. But then the device of him seeing a painting of the wolf thing mm-hmm. first and not recognizing it and then seeing that it's behind him is pretty cool pretty and pretty cool. scary. Very much so. Um, but that was an intense movie to watch. And two of back them. Back to back. Yeah. A and lot we had of weird this... dreams last night, too, after watching it. Yeah, you jumped about a big spider. I did, yeah. It looks like it's not good news. It turns, <laughs> out, yeah. it turns uh, out we have spiders. Actually, we have no spiders right now, which is really nice. Knock on wood. Wow. Yeah, it was um, it was a lot, but I was glad to watch it again as an adult and realize how one. I mean, it's amazing the quality of movie that they could make in 1984. I kind of super yeah, impressive. I was like, I guess we haven't come that far. Like, no. it, we can do really cool special effects. But now, has but this tried to be remade in modern I think day? We talked about it, but I, I don't feel think... like it's so iconic as it is that it'd be tough to mm-hmm. remake it. It feel like a cop out because we have so much technology now. I would like to watch the second one at some point. There's a second one. Yeah, and oh, I, think I guess because I... it never ends. We get him. Yeah, maybe we watch that at some point because I think that might be a little bit. Maybe it's better. Maybe it's way way worse. I don't. It remember. might be because it feels like a movie that's that iconic by itself doesn't need another one. He's my Godfather, baby. They know that's my Godfather three. We haven't gotten to yet. Yes. Uh, what did your dad say? They were in it for the money. Yeah, my dad. I talked to my dad. I told him that we watched The Godfather, and he was like, "They're great. They're great." Uh, and then I was like, "We haven't watched the third one." He's like, "Yeah, yeah." You no, could tell no. they're just in it for the money with that one. That's such a good. And I was like, when I thought about that, I was like, "Oh, that's totally what it was." Anyway, yeah. we watched. Uh, let's talk about um, a real other, cinematic masterpiece. Yeah, a real hero's journey. Uh, Married at First Sight, U.S. This uh, they're in New Orleans. I need to make an apology. Okay. Brett did some good stuff in this last episode. I gave him Brett, a hard time. Oh, yes, yes, yes. He, okay. He, he seemed to really have a sweetness about him that I did not see portrayed at, when he was getting super drunk at the bachelor party. Brett, and, yeah, is the one with all the sarcastic brothers. And we did talk about the nature of the sarcasm and how, at least in... in our own thank you baby kiddo. you're welcome <laughs> i'm gross uh, <laughs> you've been through so much <laughs> it's a big wolf uh but brett is uh very sarcastic but a kind of sarcastic where he just says the opposite of the straightforward answer so yeah. it's not really funny it's just sort of like it's autopilot for him i don't think he even realizes that they're all it's doing it's a defense it. thing it's not really yeah. i think funny. he and all of his brothers do that so they don't even realize that that's what they constantly do and they've made it their shtick so you right. can't abandon the shtick yeah so that's a perfect that, that encapsulates it perfectly but i was worried it was only going to be that the entire time he was super sweet in he's, this episode yeah especially because olivia rules she's so sweet and she's so she's one of the people that's the most natural on camera that I've seen in this franchise in a long time. Yeah. Like you can tell that she's 
probably exactly like that as soon as they stop recording. Mm -hmm. And it, I think, probably makes him way more comfortable. And so the sarcasm defense out of uncomfortable like yep. sort of thing gets reduced a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they seem she really exudes, sweet. She, yeah, she does a calm, she has a calming. Yeah, she's just herself. Uh, so I, it makes me very... It's easier to watch them. They're not as cringy because she's just like normal. You know, one time Jason Siegel said that I have a very calming energy about me. That's a wow. name drop. And but also the only time anyone's ever said that about me. Well, OK, I, I don't know what to make funny, of that. But just well, you can calm down. I guess I need to chill the fuck Maybe out. Maybe chill out. Maybe try to calm down. <laughs> Maybe I need to see the value in you because Jason Siegel's going to swoop in and take you away. He's been macking on me, baby, more than you even oh, know. Oh, wow. I didn't even... Jeez, my, I've, I've had blinders on. I haven't been able to see this for what it is. It's like, when, you know, when you get a compliment that you never get that is just like you put in your Very pocket specific, and you hold on to it yeah, forever. Yeah, unique. Yeah. That's opposite of how you could perceive yourself. But Olivia is wonderful. Yeah, she they're has great. It. She's got the real thing. <laughs> uh, they're great. Bennett and Amelia uh, might be our number ones, obviously, Rock this stars. season. Uh, little like weirdos that like truly Rock, aren't. Perfect. But they're not even putting it on. Nope. Which is nice, even though I think Bennett's family is putting it on a little bit. Because this yep. episode, they all went. Uh, and they separated and had brunch the morning after their wedding with their in-laws and like the family of the person they married. And uh, Amelia went and had lunch with like Bennett's mom and sister. And his sister <laughs> came in hot. Yeah. She was like, he doesn't believe in having children. Uh, he thinks it's morally corrupt to have your own children. So he'll probably want to adopt if you guys have children. And Amelia was just like, okay. Okay. <laughs> Cool. And then meanwhile, his mom's like, we're weird. We're weird. Did I mention that yeah. we're weird and you're going to have to be weird to be in this family? We're weird. They're weird. They're beautiful. Weird. You're weird. Yeah. The, Did uh, I mention we're weird? I'm putting a cup on my head. We're weird. We do this as a family. There's no way to pin us into a corner. Yeah. It's like they are to to weirdness yeah. what Brett and his brothers are to sarcasm. Yeah. Like, that's just who we are. You're going to have to deal with it. Try and guess what I'm going to do next. You can't. <laughs> Because I'm quirky and weird. I'm weird. Uh, yeah, Bennett oh, but is our like favorite the, thing is that Bennett's sleeping uh, attire is he just wears a dress to bed. A little cotton dress, yeah. <laughs> I love it. Perfect. Says nothing about it. Just starts putting it on. They don't even talk, they don't even talk about the idea of having sex the first night of their marriage. They just are chill mm -hmm. and they hop in bed like a couple of little cute kids. And mm -hmm. also, Bennett's family is the equivalent of you can take the kid out of the theater, but you can't take yeah. the theater out of the kid. And there's always a little bit of a performative like uh, yeah. element to it. But whatever, they're perfect. I think they're She's great. amazing. The casting directors did a great job this season getting both of them. Because if you have both of them in that casting pool, you realize like, oh, you got gold. It doesn't take an expert to put those no. two together. <laughs> That's very true. It takes true. someone from, you could see that you could be at a football game and be at the 50 yard line. Look at those two. Uh -huh. Put them together. Totally. Uh, and then everyone else, Miles and Karen, they were real sweet. She lost her voice and seemed like she got real sick right after the wedding. Sweeties. So. Also, they go on their honeymoon after they have like their, you know, lunch with everyone or brunch with their in-laws. And this season, they're doing it right. They, they go to Mexico and the uh, resort that they're staying in looks nice. I think they heard us. <laughs> I think that, yeah, the whole production team listens to our podcast, uh -huh. took our uh, opinions and thoughts and made a better season for us. I'm not trying to brag. <laughs> I think me personally assault, uh, insulting the producers Verbally of this show. Verbally assaulting 
the people that put all their blood, sweat, and tears to make stuff Look, for us. I didn't make it personal. All I just said is, are you okay with how bad this show is? <laughs> no, but it's great so far. And the uh, so they all go on their honeymoon. I'm trying to remember what happened because we watched this on Wednesday. Oh, ages ago. Yeah, Woody and Amani are still super sweet. Uh, she just seems so cool. So I don't want him to mess that up. They seem great. Yeah. And then Christina and Henry, they still seem like he doesn't know what's going on. I have a theory that he is not attracted to her. Oh, right. But he's a really nice guy and he's having just a consistent panic attack about how to be without like giving an impression that he's not into her, but also like not giving her false. So I think he's just totally paralyzed in the fact that like, this isn't exactly maybe what he wanted. I I think maybe, however, I don't know to counter, not counter to build upon yeah. your theory. Sure. Dr. Helbig, Thank I you. would add or contend that perhaps also he has the inability to develop an attraction to her or to see her objectively as a potential partner due to the immense nervousness he has around cameras. Mm. And as such, he is simply uh, not capable of being a good subject for this so-called experiment. Uh, Yeah, I can see that because she's a flight attendant. So, you know, she's obviously much more of a people person and travels and like, it seems like she's able to kind of go with the flow a little bit more and he is clearly very regimented. And yeah, I think, I think he's so panicked by being in the spotlight Yeah, and he's probably giving her a very wrong impression of like what he might actually feel for her, but he's so distracted Mm -hmm. by the fact that like a camera's on. Yeah. He's got like first day of school, new school vibe all the time. Yeah. 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 He's still trying to fit in and the clips that they're showing is like this, (laughs) they're doing this like canoeing or something. And the poor buddy, he just falls a lot. And I can relate to that. I myself am not an athletic person. I'm incredibly clumsy. I don't know how my body works. So I can, I feel for him when it happens. But at the same time, I'm like, she shouldn't be on this show. It shouldn't be doing this. Yeah, like, it feels like he like got coerced by like friends to all like sign up for the casting call, and then he couldn't yeah. believe that he got picked, and now he's thrown into this whirlwind, and he doesn't know how to stop it because he's too passive. That's so. That might be it, Grace. Who do you? you uh, I got some. some but ideas I think, on who coerced him to. Oh, dad. No, I. Oh, oh my god. His dad is such a character. His dad did like a tight twenty stand-up set at the wedding in yeah. his speech. And he looks like this guy's like a very good, <laughs> like a good-looking, normal-looking person. His dad's like this big, burly, big personality, his goofy guy. At, his, at the brunch he has with Christina the morning after the wedding, the dad is wearing like a. Uh, wrinkled disheveled button down shirt that's only buttoned to like hit right above his belly button but then he puts a napkin as if you put a napkin in your collar to protect your shirt yeah. but he puts it in the shirt where it's buttoned so it's like halfway down, down his body and it's head. just full chest exposed and then a napkin halfway like, down his body as he's eating his meal <laughs> it's such an interesting curious look but you can tell you said it before when we were watching I think one of the last episodes, you're like, oh, this kid clearly is rebelling against his kind of like 
wild frumpy dad by being a super buttoned up get his yeah. life together kind of son he's compensating yeah 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 and uh, that makes a lot of sense i hope that she seems to have a decent sense of humor about how nervous he is so i hope <laughs> she does because you can see her making uh gossip eye contact with the producer yeah, right now and then she's, she'll just be she's constantly looking off camera like uh what do i this? do <laughs> I know it's like her giving him mezcal for the first time uh, when they get to their room on the honeymoon. And I'm like, that'll oh, help. Yeah. That's yeah. probably good. Oh, God. he didn't know what mezcal was. He yeah. was just very. Oh, also sweetie. the one. He's a sweetie. He's a, yeah. They're all doing their best. The one funny thing that kept happening this last episode that we noticed, and maybe this happens all the time, is that Dr. Viviana her sound bites in this episode. What are, the, what are we doing with those? <laughs> We're so confusing. She would give these sound bites being like, typically a honeymoon happens after the wedding where the two newly married uh, people get to spend some intimate time at a resort or exotic location. She's giving... Fucking thanks, <laughs> Dr. Whatever. Viviana's giving information like we're aliens that just landed on Earth and want to enjoy the It was show. even worse than that. It was like, the honeymoon is a period of time after the wedding in which our couples will consummate their marriage and get to have a little fun. And you're like, uh, what are you... I, maybe it's one of those things where the judges are in quarantine and they need a few extra minutes to kill airtime. So they're like, describe what a marriage is. Yeah. (laughs) We need to put you in this episode somewhere. So can you just like, uh, tell us what, for people that don't know what a honeymoon is. What was the other one? There was, it wasn't just honeymoon. They described, she did it with another thing. She gave some definition of something that literally everyone knows what it is. Yeah. No, it was something about like consummating the marriage. Typically, couples consummate the marriage on their first night, but we are not making it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like, no, duh. Thanks. We've been watching this. Anyway, whatever. It was a fun episode. This episode felt a little bit like um, it wasn't as uh, totally thrilling because it's just kind of a filler episode before the honeymoon really starts for everyone. Very true. But on the flip side of that, I think I've lost a lot of interest in, and I'm going to segue here, Married at First Sight Australia, because this most recent episode felt, one, like we were being blatantly lied to. It felt blatantly scripted. It felt Mm -hmm. like they were living in Airbnbs because it doesn't make any. It looks Yeah, they went back to... No, they went home to all of the husbands houses for the week. So the wives got to see where the husbands live and they all it all felt like they rented a variety of Airbnbs that they pretended were the husbands houses. Yeah. And it was also I don't know if y'all are watching this show or not. It was like a little bit of emotional abuse happening to a lot of the women that is like was not cool. Like there was one girl who was just like, please don't bring up anything about us in front of your family. Yes. And like Kathy, two seconds later. This guy's like, I'm talking mean, to his know, mom. I haven't really been, I haven't, you know, the attraction and da 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 da. And then we don't get, his, and she always, that guy's like, relationship with his mom is fucking weird. That's so weird. And his mom looks like a Disney villain She's that's going to murder the princess. <laughs> but, uh, and then the other guy, Michelle and Steve, the older couple, Michelle Barbara lost Steve. her voice completely. And then Steve goes to have lunch with his friends and she's like, please don't bring up anything. And then he just immediately brings up that he's not sexually attracted to her, but he hopes that maybe it'll grow. And she can't even speak and she's trying to defend herself. But I think she, yeah, she was both It was hard shock. to watch. It was hard to watch. And also, how is this happening that both couple, two couples out of the amount of couples are being told specifically not to do one thing? On camera, and then they do it. That's a little suspect. I feel like now that we've planted the seed that that show is a little bit more produced, 
we're watering that seed for ourselves and allowing it to grow into how could we possibly watch this? This is so scripted. They're all actors. But I don't. We're gonna watch every episode. Yeah, it's. uh, We'll see what happens. But I get why they introduce more couples into their experiment because people drop out and they need obviously content. But uh, yeah, because the American one is good this season, I am finding myself less and less interested in the Australian. Uh, uh-huh. one, but they're fun to watch just for the comparison of the two. Yeah, the the American one has crossed a weird line into being uh, where I, good, I, good <laughs> in the sense of like I'm really hope, like rooting for especially Bennett and yeah, Amelia. Amelia. I'm like, oh man, like this. You is guys are where... really good for each other, but also they've teased that this season dips into quarantine and they have to quarantine with each other, which is. Fucking wild. It's so weird. It's so weird. They're going to get caught. It's going to catch up with real time. And this is going to happen with all the entertainment. Yeah. Apparently, they're doing that with Succession, too. They're they're in season three of Succession. But they said what they're going to do is like incorporate it so subtly in the the sense that like there might be a mask in the background or like a bottle of hand sanitizer and everything else will just keep on going as normal. And I was like, oh, that's that's actually. Well, I'm excited to see how that plays out. Special. Special on TV. Um, yeah. Well, we did it. We watched a wide variety of things this we, week. And some news. <laughs> and news. Let's do our political hour. No, we no, We're going to no. start our political podcast right after this. Um, anything else we want to talk about, babe? No, I think that's good. I think we covered everything. I hope you guys enjoyed this. Let us know if you've uh, watched The NeverEnding Story lately and yeah. if we should watch the second one. Um, yeah, let us know. I, if you think we should. We'll definitely, yeah. uh, I'll push for it. And but. I recommend watching Spotlight if you haven't. Spotlight it's a really is great. great. Movie. Um, and also, if you guys don't mind, if you enjoy this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes and you can scri- subscribe to it uh, on there and on Spotify. It's also on SoundCloud. And uh, yeah, thanks, guys. We'll see you next time. Bye.